0: your avatar today
1: oh shoot i forgot to make a new one for you i was pressed for time and i needed a change so i put david foster wallace in
0: is that what that is i cannot yeah. have picked him out of a crowd
1: oh there's some very good youtube videos of him i'll put this in notes um david foster wallace on charlie rose is uh, very good never finished infinite chest. There's a thing that I do when it's a book that I I really, I think, I think I would like. It feels like an important book. And I, the worse and worse I feel about not having read it, I'll buy additional copies. (laughs) That that sounds healthy. Yes. I I would have to assume that it's healthy. So I have two um, giant paperback copies and, you know, I might have four. I I bought one on the iBook store and I I may have one on my Kindle too. And I don't think I've made it past the first chapter. But it's good. But it's, you know, it's, it's, it's heavy. It's a heavy book. Mm-hmm. did you ever read it? nope hmm
0: isn't that uh, one of your isn't your uh, Twitter handle from uh confederacy of Dunces? yeah, yeah, that's a book I read so you read that one or at least you read up to the page with that guy
1: with the hot dogs yeah, yeah it was about i'm gonna say nineteen ninety two and I thought someday there'll be a thing called twitter I'm gonna <laughs> just keep reading until
0: mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. yep uh hygienic delicacies. Um yeah, that's a good book. That that's a f that's a funny one because I went to college and stuff. I should have read that book, but I didn't I d I did not read Confederacy of Dunces until a guy I was in a band with was like, How have you never read this book? You've got to read this book. And I just I instantly found it a complete page turner. Did you ever read it? Nope. Hmm. You read a lot well, of the yeah, the science fiction. That's more your thing.
0: Yeah. I the only thing I think I've ever read by David Foster Wallace is
1: uh, his article about Roger Federer? Well, just so you know, different guy. Did Confederacy of Dunces. Oh, really? I think that's Who John that? Kenneth Galbraith, which might be another three-name guy. Hmm. Confederacy of Dunces is like 1980. All right. Did I, did I seem less smart to you now? No, not John Kenneth Galbraith. That guy's an economist. Oh, my God. This is terrible. John, John is it getting worse every week, or is it just me? <laughs> I don't
0: know. You have the quiet keyboard. Why don't you look this up and enlighten and, and us both?
1: Confederacy of Duncan Duns- Duns- John Kennedy Tool. <laughs> there you go. Put it in show notes. <laughs> no, I have never read either one of those. Every week it degrades further. So you read his uh, so you've read his short stuff. Like his thing. No, Just that one article about tennis and I guess the this is water thing. I mean, sure. Yeah, it's everywhere. Yep. I made a terrible mistake of reading a supposedly fun thing I'll never do again right before I went on a cruise. I don't even know what that's about. I've heard the title though. Oh boy, is it ever something? Is it that, is it a Disney Disney one? No, it's different. No, no, no. He goes on. He he goes on like the fancy cruise line. It's um, I forget which line it is, but uh, yeah, it's I don't know, man. He's he's got such a great here here. Now we're talking about uh, David Foster Wallace, who is not John Kennedy Toole or John Kenneth Galbraith. I don't know. He has such an eye, and he has such a like a grasp of high and low, and just brings it together and. This to make high art that's not pretentious and it's mm, it's a delight, but it is it is dense. His writing is very dense. And then you got the footnotes. Always with the footnotes, not a fan. <laughs> you should hear him talk about it. I, I put it in show notes uh, in this interview with uh, Charlie Rose. He talks about that. I think you'd enjoy this interview with him. I think you'd like his personality because he's he's kind of irritating, like you are. We're like you, <laughs> oh, you know he's. Really? No in a really in a nice way mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. very he's kind of evasive about any question that you ask him, kind of like with you. I'm not evasive, I am direct and to the point, unlike mm-hmm. some people oh I see okay he uh he's obviously very intelligent like you are. he seems a little difficult to get along with i guess to be honest a lot a lot, a lot like you are uh loves tennis a lot like you are uh I think you'd really enjoy it. it's a tour de force, mm-hmm. and he always wears a bandana,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, just like I do. <laughs> <laughs> Here comes old Bandana John. Right. Did you ever it's wear a call, bandana? Man. Did you ever do that?
0: Yeah, just like Axl Rose. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> that's in that picture. It's like a uh, you know uh the intellectual man's Axl Rose.
1: <laughs> the thieves a thinking man's Axl, or someone with a, a grievous head injury. That's the, other, that's the other way I was going with that. <laughs> well, you don't know. He might have had like a Frida Kahlo thing. He might have had some kind of a terrible transit accident. You never know i was gonna what a unibrow what <laughs> didn't she get a didn't she get a bar through her uterus i think I don't she know. Yeah. how do you know so many things about some things and so few things about others
0: is that the unibrow person am i mixing up names again
1: uh, yeah Frida. yeah that's fine let's call her the unibrow person yes yeah, she, she actually had a very
0: the only, the only salient fact i know about her bad cop john bad cop um, like, I look, it's just in there, it's just a, a big pile of rubble. I just, you know, I reach my hand in and I pull something out, and, you know, sometimes what comes out is unibrow. I know. Unibro.
1: I know. I, it's what I call the index card. It's the, I, or, you know what? I'm going to call it the index card effect, which is that you have a fact about a thing <laughs> that you know. That, I call it the index card effect. Is that where you go? <laughs> that's right. That's my index card <laughs> on index cards. Is a lot of times you have, and I, you see this, this is, I think, this is very common for Americans. Where, <laughs> where somebody goes like what? Um, oh, my family is from Nicaragua, and you're like, oh, that's where cigars come from. Or you could you could say something like um, they say oh, my family is from Barcelona in Spain, and you go, oh, I love tacos. So you don't even get the right file card. <laughs> you go like you get you get, you, you mess up you mess up your uh, you do like a text max on your uh, on your. Uh,
0: Hispanics see I was gonna so.
1: Nicaragua I was going to I was going to pull out of the pile of rubble that is
0: my brain the name of the 80s era dictator that yeah. we were wrangling there Con- the
1: contras. yeah but I couldn't get it yeah I, no see that that's it okay so all there, right who's, who's the guy there was a guy oh uh uh I, wait I can do this it was Just type
0: Nicaragua 80s into Google and I bet it'll be like no, the first
1: hit no 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 so Noriega was Noriega. Panama. Panama was that Panama? That's Panama yeah mm-hmm. that's probably what
0: was going to come out of the pile of rubble <laughs> the wrong Pull out answer. the wrong
1: index card.
0: Yeah, so I, if I if I just uh, you know blink for ten thousand hours, then I'll have the index card effect. So
1: I was very I have I have lots of things to talk about here. Um, I was very excited that a new Hello Internet came out today, and I started listening to that before I went home today. Did, you haven't listened to it yet, have you? I have not. Yeah. Oh well, you know we can talk about it later, but it's uh, there's a point where Brady talks about this show. In the UK, called Mastermind, where you somebody who feels they have a lot of expertise in a topic comes out and they get asked very hard questions about that topic and is trying to figure out for himself and then asking Gray, like, what would your topic be? If you were going to so I don't mean to steal hello internet here, but if you were going to go on a difficult quiz show that's on national TV and you were going to be asked a bunch of very hard questions about a topic, okay, now here's the hack the more specific The more specific your topic is, the more difficult the questions tend to be, I think. So what would you – do you have a sense of what you'd pick?
0: Those shows are tricky for two reasons. One, they're tricky for me because I'm old and my recall is terrible now. You know what that's like, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And two, I I am, you know, already – I'm already seven levels deep in that game. So it's like, well, well, okay, well, if I pick this topic – then you're going to pick these type of questions. You're, you're already, like,
1: gaming the game. Yeah,
0: exactly. I'm gaming the game of the game of the game of the, that, You know, So I can't pick that, because then they're going to pick those type of questions. But if I pick this, then they have to pick... The game has to be entertaining to the audience, so they can't ask things that are boring. So they have to be things that, that seem understandable, at least the realm of the questions seem understandable to the audience. So that means that I can pick a topic
1: that's broader because they can't go that deep on it. It's like, ah, I don't know. I don't even know. Brady, uh, one other tidbit is that Brady, I think Brady says that uh, you can pass on questions, but that can come back to bite you later because if there's a tie, for example, the person who skipped fewer questions. So, I mean, you you know, so then there's some speculation, like could could you just say, you know, uh, Tom Bombadil out of nowhere or whatever? Like, can you just say, say nonsense words and does that count? So what? So you're 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 too deep in the stack. You're you're you're. Yeah, I mean, like uh, the uh, the only thing I can. Here's the thing that I think I have the
0: most current, obscure, useless knowledge about that would be impressive to other people, but only because they have zero knowledge of it. Like you can go for like I know a lot about uh you know farming, and a lot of people know something about farming, right? Yeah. But if I throw, I would put in Destiny because Destiny has tons of completely useless, obscure knowledge. A lot of which is at <laughs> my brain at a fairly ready state um i don't know you know in the average of all current destiny players i know uh i'm in the low end of that about what i know but compared to the average person who only has vaguely even heard of destiny my brain is filled with tons of crap that if rattled off would not be entertaining but would be like how do they know this are those even words i don't get it what are they saying right there's so much so much useless knowledge like when you get into you know when i was a kid there was so much more of this if you get into any particular video game or topic you can just have these very deep, long conversations against the inter- about the intricacies of this one weird thing, but uh, I don't think that would play well on the show. I don't know. I don't, I don't think there's anything I could be on Mastermind's about because there's not too much that I know enough about to be impressive and, or entertaining to the general public. I think. Hmm. What would your thing be? I mean, I I, I would guess, like, uh, bands that no one's heard of.
1: Yeah, I'll take bands no one's heard of for 400, Alex. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but no, I suffer from the same thing that you're describing, though, which is that tip of the tongue phenomena thing where you're like, oh, you know, it's that horrible, like, I need Norton Utilities for my brain, you know, where I go like, oh damn it like yeah and then i'm just gonna come up with noriega from the pile of rubble and it's
0: wrong anyway so but
1: like i don't know what the name for this particular phenomenon is (laughs) It's on the tip of my tongue but there's that thing where you know you know it and you know some things about it Mm -hmm. but you cannot conjure up what the thing is but you know to a certainty that it's there i know it's in here somewhere yeah but then like i said then you come up
0: with noriega that's the problem with being old it's like it's right there and you can say a lot of things about it and you go oh noriega and you're so happy that you got the answer but it's not it's not the answer you think it is but now like you're so broken that you can't even tell you're broken
1: it's oh, such a theme for you you're right I, <laughs> yeah it's not a theme for me yeah i invented the human condition you're, you're right. just aware of it me. yeah uh saturday before last i was thinking of a song you know you get a song kind of just bouncing around in your head and yeah, thankfully, I don't know any song titles, so I'm spared this torture. Like
0: I know, like I know, I've never known the title of the song, and so I just, you know, I know the tune and and some misheard lyrics. Okay, but well, I've here's never, m- my
1: problem was I had a snippet of this song in my head. It was basically like a few notes of this song. Mainly, I remembered how it sounded, and I sat there, and I, so I'm thinking, there's this song. I remember about when it came out. It came out about 2003 or four. I remember what the cover looked like a little bit i know that somewhere in the card catalog i have the name of the song in the band i have known it i listened to it a lot when it came out i know it's in there i know roughly what genre it is i know that it was technically a march it was like an indie rock march and i and i started i, I, could, I couldn't do it i could i'm sitting there with the phone and I, I checked myself half an hour later i was still trying to take all of these little broken pieces of glass and like, and turn it into a vase. It was so crazy. And I realized, I finally realized, I'd, half an hour I'd been sitting there and doing things like going to Google, you know, indie albums of 2003. And still, and now it's, it's been like a couple of weeks and I still, I feel no closer at all to being able to know what the song was. It's brutal. Usually the internet
0: can pull you out of that. Usually you just start, you know, like you were saying before, uh, searching around it searching the perimeter, searching related things, and you start, you know, circling yeah. ever closer and closer,
1: eventually you find it? Well, you know, the, the, be- the best tip you can tell anybody, and it used to be funny, when, when Google was first a nerd thing, and then you'd show it to other people, and I know this has changed a lot in the intervening years, but it used to be the thing you had to tell people was, like, stop thinking about it. Like, mm-hmm. t- tell me what you know about this topic. Oh, English indie rock song with a marimba. okay. What mm-hmm. do you think you might want to type into Google? And I go, oh, it's, is it like jazz rock? No, 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 stop overthinking it. English, yeah. indie, marimba. You know, you can even yep. do a range. You could even do the 2003 dash, you know, but the point is like that, that if you do have the fragments, that used to be the hardest part because people so used to like ask Jeeves type things. Like how do I make a well-formed query for the Google?
0: Yeah. yeah, no, I fall victim to the same thing. Like I said, on the past ATP, my hack was always, I would, yeah would know, rubber ducky someone and say, what are you searching for? Just tell me. They was, I'm searching for the blah, blah, blah. I'm like, type that into Google. Yeah. It's like, no, no, I'm just describing to you what I'm looking for. Yes. Everything you wrote, the whole sentence, the whole the whole paragraph? Yes, the whole paragraph. Just put it
1: in. <laughs> I've officially officially turned fifty as of really the last month or so because there's a thing i started doing uh, where I actually will type it as a question. Maybe because I've been using Siri, but of course Google is totally too completes it. it yeah, completes yeah. it with the question mark. Google is totally tuned to that. It's like, why am I trying to be smart? Just be a dummy right, and find exactly. the thing you want. Quit being it's, smart. It's not smart.
0: It's just like we we've, we've been trained on the old the old systems that that weren't this smart where you had to. Treat it as, like, a query language. And yeah. so that's what we're still doing. We're still doing it the old way. It's, it's not,
1: yeah. And oh, that was another thing that in the early days of Google, I don't know if I'm phrasing this, like, in terms of the, the Booleans, like, it was the first time I remember that a search engine interpreted every word as an and rather than an or. So it used to be you would go Bleh, and put like like a bunch of words in Alta Vista and see what came up and get closer and closer like you're like driving a boat in a circle. Yeah, put uh, pluses by the ones that you really meant. Yeah, or do, do you still do?
0: I do quotes a lot. Quotes. I don't know. I used to know like for about three weeks when Google was first released what quotes meant to Google. Now I've, I have no idea how Google interprets quotes. I desperately want it to interpret quotes as. Take the things in this quote literally, even though
1: they have weird characters. But
0: I don't know if that's what it's doing.
1: Oh, uh, well, you know, it's it's hard sometimes. Like, I was having a weird Dropbox error. And, like, I was like, how do I Google negative 1,001? Well you put it in quotes? Because otherwise it's going to interpret Because you're it.
0: afraid it's going to be saying uh, search results 1,001 one, in them. But that's yeah. AltaVista thinking. That's AltaVista <laughs> thinking there, right. sir. You need to just, like, let like, go and like Google.
1: But, like, to pop a step up, stop being a smarty pants and search for Dropbox error. <laughs> you know <laughs> and like the whole page is filled with everything you need to know there'll even be little boxes that the top says hey ding right. here's exactly. the answer yeah. yeah yeah my favorites are i still use quotes a lot uh and i do i do ors my three big ones i would say are using quotes for like uh the exact phrase and you know google has gotten good about that too because in the returns then it'll say well you know here's what you have like you know, minus these things. I found this, you know, in this case, I found everything except this one. Or I found everything, you know. Once you get really specific, it's still really good about that. I like that. Um, and I'll, the way I do or would be to do something like, you know, John Syracuse hypercritical, uppercase, all uppercase, or. You know, I'll put my or, I'll put my little booleans at the end. You put it, do you think
0: that, that Google does anything with that other yes. than laugh
1: at you? No, I think it does. It, and the, uh. the other one that I use constantly is site colon. Which, uh, yeah, cyclone works like that's still that works, syntax yeah. that stuff works because it's clear in the I results. bet there's people that don't know that though. Like, when I'm trying to find somebody says, Oh, what's that episode of Back to Work where you did blah blah blah, and I'll just do cyclone five by five dot TV and then like the term in quotes, and like mm-hmm. it's yeah, but you're right. I have already put into show notes, speaking of destiny, I listened to I was taking a shower last night and listened to you and Michael Lop talk about uh, destiny. I think that that show is uh, stacking up to be very interesting. So first, mm-hmm. first episode was him and uh, Tiff Armit talking about pens, yep. and uh, I mean, I, I know I'm always taking the piss, and I, I don't mean to. I'm genuinely, I think it's genuinely interesting to listening listen to you two. Who have so much, so many hundreds and hundreds of hours on this game. It really is. No, I'm not, I'm not making fun. It was really fun to hear you guys talk about it and hear you describe like, a lot of stuff that I didn't understand. Like you got the angel of the morning on your Vorpal blade or whatever. And it's all very confusing <laughs> wow, to me. So close. So close. <laughs> and by the way, someone, speaking of the hours played, someone it's, light. it's all about said, light. It's light. You got to yeah. get the light.
0: Someone sent in a thing after it said, actually, that website only shows the active hours. It doesn't count the time you spend in orbit, basically the time you're idle, like uh, assembling games or the time in the tower. Like, it only shows, supposedly, the time where you're actively playing. I don't know if I believe that, but if
1: so, that's frightening, because I feel like I spend a lot of time in the tower and in orbit. <sighs> it does get scary. But I put it in notes. That's, uh, that's worth listening to. That's going to be a fun show. So Michael Lopp, every week or so, I guess, goes and talks to somebody about, you know, the thing that they really love, which is a great idea for a podcast you were so close to giving them the title of the podcast the title of the podcast hmm? the one about destiny no that's the, it, what's the name of the show oh the show with michael Lop? Yeah. i think i mentioned that oh jeez, it's called the important thing there you go i call it tit <laughs> just make sure you check the title case am i right yeah yeah but plus in <laughs> you're still talking about that it's so freaking funny i love how much you care about that and how much casey doesn't it makes me so happy every time it comes up it's not hard though you just go and you do the case thing no he cares some just everyone forgets everyone in a while. title is it titlecase.com
0: that's that's I, one I of use them
1: gruber's is i use gruber's service for that
0: yeah that's i think that is less robust than other solutions Sometimes it's hard though. Sometimes yeah, there's style differences. There are style differences. Like that's uh, some of the better sites. The URL of which I can never remember actually lets you toggle through more title case. Lets you do like AP style and title style. But one of them gives you like every style guide, so like Chicago. Band oh, that's AP so cool. Reuters. Just like and then and then you can just kind of like have a shootout to be like, well, does majority rule or do I hate AP, which you should because their style guide is dumb, uh,
1: or do I like Chicago, or you know, you just you just keep picking until you are satisfied. I like that because, but you know, well, on the one hand, there is the aesthetic thing where if you've got you know five, if it returns seven, and five are the same. You could like kind of, you know, you might want to just pick your own. But the other one is when small words are more. When I think that's the term of art: small words. The you mm-hmm. know all of the mm-hmm. uh, the these the little and, people, the little people. Yeah, they call them little people. But there are times when I can't think of a good example. But there are times when a small word does not mean the usual. It's not just a, a preposition, for example.
0: Yeah, it depends if it's used in a certain way. Not just if it's the beginning or end, but also if it's used in a certain way in the middle.
1: Like, a, or, you know, I guess this would be hyphenated, but let's say you had a title and an article called A New Approach to At-Home Care. Like, you'd capitalize "at" and you'd probably use a hyphen, right? Oh, well, hyphens are tough in the titles, and most
0: of those title-casing tools just, like, throw up their hands at, uh, at hyphens or complicated stuff like that, yeah.
1: Yeah, and but that's also a good, uh, I mean, the ultimate uh, life hack is to rephrase it so you're not using a dumb thing like at home. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, yeah. So the one about destiny, the important thing. Uh, I don't know. I would pick. See, I don't know. I do feel like I still have. Think about it. I, you know, here's the thing. If, if I, I think of like junk and and like kipple in my life, like I think about you know the things that like I've got this hoarding thing in my office, with all these piles of stuff. And there have been times when I, I approach it very archaeologically, and I have kind of a mental model about where something is based on like how deep in the pile it is, and if I disrupt it, it's going to throw off the entire timeline for that particular pile. And <laughs> the, I do the archaeologists who unearthed your dander covered body centuries <laughs> later won't know in what order you you were planning on reading these comic books. I need these newspapers. It's for my work. It's my business papers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the. Um, but I, I also feel that way a little bit like, oh, this sounds so weird. This is so medieval. But it's not. this is not a mental model. It is more like a superstition. But I, I have wondered if there's only so many times you can remember a memory before, like, you know, there's that whole thing people say. I don't know what the effect is called in psychology, but that, you know, that you're constantly kind of re- combinating combining your memories. You're like, as you tell that story, like even the version of it that you have stored, such as it is, starts to alter over time. And it's how you can end up like telling a story. And so you've been telling the story for 20 years. And then somebody who was actually there goes, that's not what happened at all. Like over time, that thing has really like transformed. And so I worry sometimes that if I disturb too much of the archeology span of old information, I won't get access to it again. Like, I don't know how many times I was able to pull out uh, the band Let's Active on a recent episode of Roderick Line, I don't know how many sh- more shots I have to instantly remember that Mitch Easter's band in the 80 was less ac- 80s was less active. You know what I so mean? It's, like, it's kind of like vinyl. It's like the more, every time you play it, it degrades. <sighs> yes, absolutely. So, so if you have one that you really care about, maybe don't play it. Stop thinking about it. Oh, no, I do that. I do some. There's some I only decant a few times a year. Vinyl. You know, vinyl is really the only pure way to listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely warmer. <laughs> This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you by Eero. You can learn more about Eero right now by visiting Eero.com. That's E-E-R-O ocom These days, everything in our homes requires an internet connection. Our speakers, thermostats, light bulbs, front door locks, security cameras, everything in between. And we are increasingly looking at streaming services like Netflix, Hulu, and Spotify for our home entertainment. Wi-Fi is the foundation for all of this. We are totally dependent on it. And yet, Wi-Fi is broken Connections can be inconsistent, slow, and unresponsive. Imagine if there were some parts of your house where you just didn't get electricity for some reason. That would be bananas. To get the best possible connection today, you need a distributed system that can provide you with connection all over the home. This has previously been super expensive to do, but not anymore. With Eero, you can install an enterprise-grade Wi-Fi system in your home in just a few minutes. This is literally true. And this isn't a simple extender. Each Eero has two radios inside, keeping your connection fast and everything in sync on one network name. Super convenient. You simply download the Eero app on your iOS or Android device. It'll walk you through each step of the process. It is quick and easy and painless. And that Eero app lets you manage your network from the palm of your hand. So you'll know how many devices are connected at any given point, as well as the internet speed that you are getting from your service provider. Our friends at Eero were kind enough to send me their Wi-Fi system to try out. And I got to tell you, this thing is amazing. It honestly took me less than 15 minutes to set up the entire thing, And it literally bathes our entire house in Wi-Fi every corner, every crevice. And I'd love for you to try this thing out. Now, the average house in the U.S. is easily covered by two or three Eros. So a three-pack is a good starting point. If you live in a large space and you need more, no problem. You can add up to 10 in total. And because of Eero's 30-day money-back guarantee, you can always return one of your Eros if you end up not needing it. Nothing wrong with that. If you want to find out more about the Eero and get one for yourself, please go to Eero.com. That's E-E-R-O.com and because you listen to reconcilable difference like a good person you're going to get free overnight shipping you just select overnight shipping when you go to checkout and enter the code diffs that's d i f f s and you're going to get that the next day how great is that Our thanks to iro for supporting reconcilable differences and all of relay fm
0: jury duty <laughs> listen needs braces
1: yep you got it all right so to catch back up on jury duty the way we left it was that in November or so, I came within a hair's breadth of being put on the jury for an attempted murder trial that would go through the holidays and into January. I would have had a, two to three months of jury duty every day. And I think I described this on this program. I, uh, I quivered and I practically cried and I, uh, I, I begged uh, hardship and they, they magically let me off but eh, 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 not so fast. We're going to call you back in January. (sighs) So they call me back in January. I go to jury duty. Okay, now this time, now we're getting into some prisoner's dilemma because here's the thing. How much longer am I going to keep trying to like get out of this jury duty only to be pushed on to the next one? I figure at some point I've got to take my medicine, right? I got to, you know, do my duty. I've got to like, you know, person up and do this at some point. And this this is the prisoner's dilemma part is the judge goes, okay, here's the thing. Today is, uh, today is Friday. This was last Friday. He says, we're going to do the jury selection today. Jury starts, the trial will start on Monday. Tuesday off, because I'll be doing something else. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, no later than the following Monday. So he said, worst case scenario, likely five business days of jury duty. And so I says to myself, I says, you know what? Don't do the hardship. Do, 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 do your part, sir. Go and do your jury duty. And so I sat there all day while they were questioning everybody. I'll cut a long, <clears throat> I'll cut a very long story, very short, because I'm, I'm, I'm alternating through many, many uh, anxieties <laughs> while I'm waiting. Or I'm like, oh, God, they're not going to finish this today. It's going to have to start up again on Monday. So, oh, God, we'll be able to do this show on Monday. And, uh, and I'm like, then I'm thinking like, and then I keep thinking about jury nullification. And I alternate between like, should I go up there and be an hero? And tell them how, uh, how I nullify juries. Or at the very least, don't I have to tell them that I know about this and I'm worried about how it will affect my thinking? <laughs> Isn't it incumbent upon you
0: to say that you know about and possibly believe in jury nullification?
1: Well, you know, if you go to certain places on the internet when you're learning about jury nullification, mm-hmm. which I just want to be really clear, you should not bring up in an open court. <laughs> please go watch the CGP Grey videos. Share my fear about this. But the basic notion, as I understand it, is this, is that for a variety of different reasons, and you just go watch the video, is that um, historically there have been times when juries have refused to find somebody guilty of a crime, even though you think they did it and quote unquote broke the law for a variety of reasons. The main reason being that it's an amoral law or because you believe that the application of law enforcement and what we call justice is unequally applied. So there are those who say that even knowing this, like, first of all, if you talk about this in front of, you know, like a judge, the first rule of jury nullification, is that the first rule? Yeah, Yeah, you know what? (laughs) You're right. That is the first rule. That's a good one.
0: So you're sitting there trying not to think of a pink elephant while these other people are getting questioned and you're just in
1: the corner mumbling jury nullification. Don't don't think about it. Don't think about it. Of course, what I'm mainly thinking is I hope every single one of these good citizens gets seated. But of course they don't. It's getting to be at this point, it's, it's two o'clock on Friday. And it's like, oh man, this is totally gonna run over into Monday. So they had 18 people up there. They got the 12 jurors, they got the six alternates, and I'm like, oh. And uh and then I'm thinking, but wait a minute, listen, be rational. There's like 50 other people in this audience. I have pretty good chances, there's a pretty good chance that. Of the seven people they need out of these fifty to fill those chairs, you know how this works, right? They're so you are not going to pick the guy who's talk, been talking to himself for the past three hours
0: and whose eyes are darting back and forth.
1: The sweaty light. guy who's rocking back and forth, who's been drinking way
0: too much coffee all day,
1: keeps and going his leg
0: bl- to the tune of a band no one's heard of.
1: <laughs> the guy who keeps going. Hmm. And so they call, uh, call. Call. Yeah, they call me up. So I got to go up there now. I got to go get the questions. And then I see and then you got to talk about yourself. What, what what do they ask you? Oh god, it was that's the other part of this. is just sitting there all day. Cause everybody loves to talk about themselves, you know, and it's, it's so like, it's so unseemly and, you know, and people ask, well, you know, this is going to involve somebody who's been charged with having their alcohol level, you know, DUI. Has anybody in your family ever been affected by alcoholism? Has anybody in your family ever been a victim of crime? Full stop. And it's just like, (laughs) well, one time my bike got stolen. Yeah, me too. And then like, well, yeah, you know, actually my brother, you know, was arrested in Tijuana and I had to bail him out and it caused a lot of problems in our family. And it's just like, oh, God, please, I don't want to listen to this. It's like listening to someone's poems. I don't want to hear about these people's lives. <laughs> You're going to get prepared to get up there and tell them about your dreams. I brought my dream <laughs> journal with me today. Mm-hmm. And you got So and then you got to do the rundown where you got to do like, OK, what is your name? What is your occupation? Uh, where do you live? What's your favorite color? What's your favorite color? Tell me in only single words mm-hmm. the good things. Uh, and then you go through, like, uh, you know, do you have a partner? What does that partner do? Are there any children? Are there any other adults in the house? What is your previous experience with jury duty, et cetera? And you have to go run all those down. So, yay, I get to explain what I, quote, unquote, do. I would have liked to heard that. <sighs> I mean, you know, I gave him the usual. I said, you know, this is me. I said, I I said, I, I make podcasts, which are like internet radio shows. And I just... <laughs> is that what they're like? <laughs> it's like, great
0: when you tell someone what you do for a living and you have to immediately make an analogy to a 1940s <laughs> technology so that people don't think you're crazy. <laughs> I'm a chef. Uh, that's like someone who <laughs> makes buildings, but instead of buildings, it's food. <laughs>
1: uh. I make podcasts. Is that anything like a, like a glazier? Or do you make windows? What is it? What is a pod? And why would it need to be cached Is it something you'd put into a kiln? Oh, your yeah. honor.
0: Uh, you're, I mean, you are in San Francisco. So as soon as you said I make podcasts, didn't all the other tech
1: bros roll their eyes at you? Fully half of the people up there were developers, designers, and engineers. Mm-hmm. There's uh, a guy explain. You just mansplain podcasting to them. Oh, no, I need to explain it to the judge, who has made yeah. a... You know, and the judges always take such a huge amount of pride, and I don't understand this fancy technology. What's a cornflake? <laughs> you know, that's like that's the whole deal of being a judge. They go to judge school, and they're like, act really dumb about <laughs> the modern dumb. world. Put your glasses on the bottom of your nose and talk like Sir Thurman. Mm-hmm. i Thurman. Now, walk me through this. A computer is the kind of thing you'd want to... Was that for sports, or how would that work? I need to admonish you not to Facebook on your snaps, or... So I go through that, and they say, oh, and the judge, this judge was actually really great. He was great. He was very cool, and he was very funny, and I think he saw himself as a little bit of a talk show host. He wanted to keep everybody comfortable. He's asking lots of interesting, unexpected questions of everybody, like, oh, so what kind of work does your – so when your partner does that kind of work, what does that involve no Anyway, so I'd explain all of
0: this. Do you think the judge is asking these questions because they have some sort of legal bearing, or because he's he also would go stir crazy in this environment if he
1: didn't find someone to amuse himself? <laughs> That's a really good question. I was wondering that, as one does. I was wondering what, because you know, I've been in lots of these things, and they all do it a little bit differently. And this guy was actually, I don't, I don't want to judge. Judge? A judge based on how entertaining they were. But this guy was actually legitimately, like, very charismatic. And he did really put people at ease. And he was serious when he needed to be, but he kept it light. And he would make little, he was almost like some kind of an English uh, chat show host where he was able to, like, say, oh, huh, kind of like the way his bike got stolen. Am I right? And (laughs) that's very good sir. He was great, man. So what kind of shows do you do? Oh, it's, you know, nominally humorous and help people. And that's a pod. He's (laughs) selling It's so hard to explain. I don't understand it, and so it goes on. And did you ever say the words "life hack" during this interrogation? <laughs> no, <laughs> I was not asked specifically. But yeah. so it goes on and on and on. And finally it says, "Now, of all the other questions you've heard heard asked today, uh, do you have answers to any of those other ones?" Oh, I was like, "Yeah, you know, actually, I do know tons of lawyers. I don't think that would have any effect on me. If I were seated for this, I can I can promise that I would do my best to." listen to both sides not draw my own conclusions and i would to the extent possible you know try to learn as much as i could based on the evidence that was given and i would really i would try to follow the rules like i think that's who's important. the good cop now yeah right well I, you know I'm, I'm terrified
0: and you just sneeze during
1: notification i <laughs> said so, did i say that <laughs> <laughs> i'm a little under the weather not guilty and so finally, I say, I said, but I. And at this point, I'm getting a little jittery because <laughs> I realize this shit's going to get it, real. Also, you're on your ninth cup of coffee. Anyway. <laughs> I've had so much coffee. <laughs> I'm the only person in this entire room of like 80 people who keeps constantly going to the bathroom. And mm. and so finally, and so I have more coffee. That's helping. And so finally, I said, well, um, I have to say candidly, I do have a concern or a question uh, regarding my eligibility. To serve. Well, would you tell us what it is? I said, uh, I said, actually, I would be more comfortable telling you in private. <laughs> <sighs> All right, well, come on up. He brings me up. He brings, brings up He chem- there. It says, is it the chemtrails? Is it- <laughs> <laughs> um, and so you go up and he pulls you aside. And I said, listen, I. it's kind of a question, it's kind of a concern, but I said, <laughs> I've been reading and learning a lot about the way juries make decisions and I've become acquainted with the concept of <clears throat> jury nullification. Now, I'm not saying I don't have any plan to come in at this point I'm like no, 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 no. I, said, I, I I don't have any agenda here. I'm not trying to do any. I I just want to be clear. I don't but I know about it. <laughs> And he said, well, uh, as I explained earlier, you know, we all have to set aside our personal – I said, I, I, I understand it's actually not a personal thing. It's more a systematic thing, and I, I don't have a plan for that, but I, I do know that's a, that's a thing. he said, well, as I explained, you know, for example, in the 1960s, you know, uh, some juries, uh, you know, re- refused to, uh, you know, try, uh, try people for Jim Crow laws. And I said, yes, but also, on the other hand, a lot of people rejected uh, Fugitive Slave Act prosecution. So it's really both sides – because I learned that from CGP. <laughs> <laughs> he said, all right, so do you feel that this is going to affect your ability to render a I said, I don't know. That's the problem. I don't. <laughs> it
0: affects my ability to make <laughs> breakfast in the morning.
1: It's me sitting here whispering loud and shaking, not telling you enough about why I should not be allowed to decide who goes to jail. <laughs> don't you see this is a bad idea? And then they said, all right, all right, thank you. Thank you very much. And you know, it was actually super cool. And they both both the ladies were smiling at me. Mm, that's all right. Thank you for, thank you for being honest. And, uh, and then I went and sat down, and I felt like a turd blossom. I just felt like, oh, God, why did I do that? Why couldn't I just cut my mouth shut? Because you're special, and you I'm need to snowflake. be recognized as being special. Usually I'm not. In places like this, I know this does not sound like my personality, but in an environment like that, uh, I don't know. There are some people there, it brings out their natural performer it brings out their natural political scientist. It brings out their natural citizen. And I just want to disappear into the paneling at a place like that. I do not... I don't Please don't say my name. I don't want to hear my name. I don't want to talk about what my wife does for a living. I don't want to tell you how old my daughter is. I don't want to do any of this. I mean, not because I'm a weirdo, but just because it's like... Ugh. So anyway... I sat down. I think everybody's looking at me like I should be wearing this scarlet letter or something. Like, what did he say up there? But uh, no, they then, you know, it wasn't too long. They asked some more questions. And I, you know, they mostly were not asking me questions, which should have been a a sign. And then eventually they said, well, you know, we thank and excuse uh, Mr. Man. And I was like, okay, I'll go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I felt like, oh, God, I've abdicated my responsibility. Why did I do that? I look like such a child. But I, I'm I'm so being honest. Like, I honestly, it's kept going through my mind. Like, I don't want to get in there, have something go completely south. And then it's like, well, you should have told us about this. So now I feel like my job as a citizen is to find out more about what this stuff actually means, decide how I feel about it, rather than just having it as my file card on trials, try to get actually smarter and better informed about it, and be ready to go in next time and be a, be a good juror. Yeah, eventually I feel like you're going to get to the point
0: where you're going to be an older man and say, uh, "Look at that pun," and say, uh, "You know what? I've never been on a jury, and at this point, I feel like it's it's on my bucket list that I want to do jury duty. And you'll be trying to get selected, and no one will
1: pick you. You get up early, you put on a on a vest. I've been, I've sorry, I've, I've been you're outside on the courthouse with a, with a flower every morning, <laughs> and pick me. I have uh, I have served on jury duties to a verdict twice. So believe me, I know from jury duty. But anyway, some, that's what happened. Did you tell
0: us about these when you were uh, on the juries? I have vague memories of this in the, in the pile of rubble.
1: Yeah. The the one that really stands out was the civil trial I had in the 90s. Do you want to hear it real quick? You might have already told me, but go ahead. Tallahassee, Florida. It's Daybreak. Daybreak. You can see it. Someone's thinking about ritual scarification. You can see it. Paint a mind picture. So, um, there's this kid who by all accounts sound like a real butthole who shows up at school and he's a bully and there's a, a, a school oh, chum. Yep. Yep. We got this one. He, the, the, he, the, bully got punched, but then sued the guy who punched him. And it's like, yeah, but you're a bully, but yeah, but you hit me. The bully picked a fight with this kid. He'd been bullying. Yeah. That kid beat his ass. And bit off part of his ear, yeah, yeah. the bully with the bitten ear sued the school system for being improperly grounds and they weren't protecting him he yeah. was improperly monitored. So the decision they put before us, which is crystal clear, was regardless of how you feel about this, regardless of you know any of your opinions, here are the here, you've heard the facts and evidence. you have one thing to decide: Was this teacher standing at this spot at this time or not? Yes or no. Like don't decide like did ear, should Ear boy be there at all? And it's just, you're just like, oh, come on. Can't you ask a better question than that? Like, uh Anyway, so that was that one. But after you run to that verdict, you're all allowed to bite off his ear. His other ear, right? Is that how that works? Yeah, it's called a quid pro quo. Quid, quid, quid. <laughs> it's Latin. Yep. An ear for an
0: ear. Could, you couldn't even get to the Clarice?
1: I, I, I'm i finding it harder and harder to say quid pro quo. <laughs> That's because you he, he start slipping into Foghorn Leghorn slash uh, <laughs> Strom Thurmond or whatever you're San doing San Francisco, Doity City. Watching that Jeff Sessions thing where Jeff Sessions is talking to the uh, – you saw that, right? You saw the video? Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm going cut all this out. And I swear to Christ, the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, oh, my God, when is Bob Odenkirk going to come back and start doing <laughs> Senator Tanker Bell again? <laughs> San Francisco, Doity City, New Orleans – Full of water. Yeah. When is uh,
0: <laughs> God speaking of tip of the tongue? When is Better Call Saul going to come back? That's my. I question.
1: still haven't watched that program.
0: Uh um, it's it's definitely a slower burn than Breaking Bad. But yeah. if you watched and enjoyed Breaking Bad, I would recommend it.
1: All right, put it on the list. When I come tonight, I will probably watch Millennium Actress. Mm-hmm. Right. We binged uh the good the good place, the good place. So what's called about that. Yeah, we binge that in, in a day. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's for you. Do you like Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Not enough to watch it. Yeah, I, I don't know if this is for you. You might want to give the first one a spin, but it's it's pretty, it's cheeky. It's from the guy who did Parks and Rec, and um, it's I think it's much more Brooklyn Nine-Nine, like Times, Barry Sonnenfeld, maybe. Yeah, I have, I have trouble with comedies. Yeah, I understand. What did I, I, what did I go through recently? I went through uh, All of Travelers, All of Colony, I watched, um, the day, uh, John Hurt passed away, I, I went and watched Alien again. Whew. Brother. Yeah, I tell you I showed that to my son? Probably before he was I ready? I think you did. I think you said that he was pretty scared.
0: I mean, he didn't seem that scared during, but who knows what kind of things he's internalized. I, was, I asked him, hey, do you want to see Aliens? Because the, the sequel is like an action movie. And he's like, no. <laughs> <So I'm
1: laughs> thinking he's, he's had it's... a little bit, enough of that universe for a while. Perhaps forever. You know, we're always talking about how every kid's different and it's hard to gauge. And like, you know, that's, you realize that from early on, from the time the kid can have anything like a personality onward. And I, there's this part of me that keeps thinking like, you know, that that's becoming less true or differently true. But like, it's so funny. Like, like I took her to, I took my daughter to uh, La La Land. When I, I really wanted to see it for a second. I'll probably go back a third time. And I really, I knew she'd enjoy it. She loved the music. She loved it. But, you know, it's got an F-word in it, and it's got a little bit of grown-up stuff, but, like, you know, it was, it was fine. Some of the trailers were a little scary. I don't know why do you put R-rated movie trailers in a PG-13 movie. I never see that during Marvel films, but during other kinds of movies, that I'm, it's totally weird. She's fine with all of that. She's, like, pretty much fine. Tonight, we are watching a uh, Netflix uh, really cheaply produced short film about puppies called Precious Puppies. And it's about puppies and how cute they are. Mm-hmm. So you get a little bit at the beginning. It's a bunch of people from New Zealand talking about nee- precious puppies, and then uh, they go they go to the miracle of birth and. <wouldn't laut> <einem> oh my god and i was like i i found myself the second or third time in my entire life i i slammed my hand over my daughter's eyes i was like you don't need to see this she goes no no she goes no it's fine that blood is normal right and i said yes the the blood is normal and that alien thing is going to be a really cute puppy and all the mommy's licking it she goes yeah and the blood's normal right i said yes yes the, the blood the blood is normal it's supposed to look like that oh that's good she's licking it but the blood is normal right i said yes the blood is normal don't worry about that she goes, that's good they look like they were going to be really happy (laughs) oh
0: you Mm. the the blood is normal conversation will come up again if it hasn't already
1: oh well we've you know the the intel we get well this is too personal the intel we get is that like there are there are some uh, physical characteristics you look for and then within a calendar year after that not a calendar year but like a year after that you can expect you know Mm -hmm. yeah but, I mean, that's the whole thing with the talks. You got, you got to pre, you got to do the talk before. Oh, I, I think about it. Well, at this point, only twice a week. But I keep thinking <laughs> about like how important it is. On the one hand, to not blow Make her big, mind exactly, with exactly, yeah, with like oh, so that's coming sometime. But right. on the other hand, what would be ten times worse? Uh, is hand, oh my get, god, yeah. she does a carry, and you it's it. exactly,
0: like, exactly. You don't want that situation where it's just where it's a surprise to everyone involved. Not as bad. They're
1: gonna laugh at you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how merlin got out of jury duty uh don't feel great about it but and, and then i came home and like the stress is off right hey ha ha i don't have to do this thing and uh, and then i i still i was i came home i was, I was still shredded i was still was, like burning off the adrenaline of the whole stupid day and, and feeling a little guilty and feeling a little bit relieved but at the same time like i still you, you ever get that like i still had the adrenaline kind of coursing through my system and it was like Ugh. Oh, yeah, you know, i almost got into a car accident on the way home I don't drive, you know? I'm a car Don't you remember that?
0: Oh, what's that from? That feeling? You almost get into a car accident? Oh, God, yes. Oh, no, no. Oh, You get the adrenaline dumped into your body, and then you're just, like, useless for the next 20 minutes.
1: Or, like, if you get, like, not to go back to the bullying, but, like, if you ever get yelled at by an obviously violent other adult, it's very upsetting. (laughs) I have to tell you. I don't get that very often. I've only got it maybe half a dozen times in my entire life, but it's very, very upsetting. And you don't get over it in five minutes. Yep. Fight or flight. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Mac Weldon. You can learn more about Mac Weldon right now by visiting macweldon.com. That's M A C K W E L D O N.com. Well, frankly, Mack Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. I checked. Mack Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. Mack Weldon make the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear as we speak. At least as I do. I am wearing an article of Mack Weldon Garmentage. I own and love two of their Pima long-sleeve tees in the true black color. The Pima Long Sleeve Tee. That feels good to say. Honestly, a black long sleeve t-shirt is basically my uniform. I wear it all the time. And Mac Weldon makes one of my favorites. It's weirdly cozy and yet breathable. And it, it helps make me look like a responsible dad uh, who knows how to buy clothes that fit. And I need this help. They also have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial. That means they eliminate odor. That is pretty cool science stuff. Mack Weldon truly wants you to be comfortable if you get something from them and they don't like it, you get yourself some underpants and don't like it, you can keep it, and they will still refund you the money with no questions asked. Keep the underwear. But I'm pretty sure you're going to like it, silver or otherwise. Not only do Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well. They're good for working out, going to work, going on dates, just for everyday life. And believe me, my life is filled with everyday life, and I love my Mack Weldon gear. Listeners of this show can get 20% off when you go to MacWeldon.com. Just make sure you use the offer code DIFFS that's d-i-f-f-s our thanks to mac weldon for supporting reconcilable differences and all of relay fm uh okay so this is this is probably really fast did you have you see the link that i put in here have you looked at this or seen this today
0: Oh, uh, what are we looking at? This is... This
1: This is, this is this seemed like two different stories, and two different stories have now become one one story. Okay, there's the yes. one story, co- to- I think totally, totally unrelated, which is your pop-ups uh, for your account getting locked. You can tell me if you think that's related. I think that's not related. I think it is totally unrelated. I, I agree. I agree. But one thing that seemed like two stories, it might be one story. First, there was the thing that I ran into... With the iCloud activation of a phone, a new, a, you know, theoretically new phone from Apple, and it wouldn't let me activate it because it said that that Apple ID was already taken, even though I had not done anything Apple ID. Later on, we saw lots of links, people saying lots of people had had this thing, and then there was the funny thing that happened the other day, which is that Apple kind of. Um, <laughs> I hate this adverb so much. Apple quietly removed their activation lock website. As opposed to screaming at the top of the words, which is what they normally do when they do everything. That's cool. Quietly is the blogger version of Turns Out. It's just like, ooh, that was quietly. It's
0: it's right up there with finally.
1: Finally. (laughs) Finally. Apple, finally. So everybody's saying, like, hey, that's weird. Because basically, I guess Apple had this site where you could go and what does it say? You go to Activation Lock Status Checker, where you could go and enter in your serial number. Do they do UUIDs? U they don't even do this, this anymore, like
0: IMEID, do whatever, like the... the so you enter your IMEI
1: or your serial okay, yeah. number, and it would... I think wasn't it a way of showing that like it was basically to prove that a phone wasn't stolen was that was that part of the idea? No, it's like to show that uh, if your phone is activation locked to a different Apple ID, like they were saying, if you were
0: like buying or selling a phone, like if someone's going to sell you a phone, you wouldn't want it to be activation locked. Oh, because you'd be SOL.
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay, so so yeah, so I don't know if we stated that clearly, but where you could go and see if if that was already if it was locked and if you'd be able to use it. So. <clears throat> that disappeared the other day, and everybody was wondering why. And now, uh, looks like, I guess, Mac Rumors has a potential answer for this, which I found very interesting. Do you want to describe what this is?
0: I watched this video a few times, but it was long, and I was trying to figure out what it was showing, and then I eventually found the article that tried to explain it. The idea is that you can, with a fairly invasive hardware hack, open up an iPad or whatever, rip out the system on the chip, like, take it off its little mounting pads put it into this other device and reset everything in it and you ha- you'd have to give it one of these uh, ids and you wouldn't know if you i think they have a way of generating ids that are technically valid like they check some or whatever but you don't know if any of them
1: Oh, sim- similar to a credit card, but it'd be like a, a combination of credit card simulation and like war dialing. It's basically just trying a whole bunch of different numbers,
0: right? And they would try them at this endpoint, at this at this status checker thing. And it's like if if they entered one and it said it's activation locked to a different Apple they'd be like, oh, don't use that one because some that, that's someone's real phone and they've already got it, so we can't use it. Once they find one that's free, they put it into this thing, they reseat the chip and reassemble the whole thing, and voila, you have uh, a, a new iPad that is that is no longer locked to whatever it was locked for but it's locked just as a number and then i guess later if apple eventually manufactures a phone with that id and you try to activate it it's like oh no someone's already using that number and apple doesn't know someone's using that number because it was just you know they're the ones making the numbers right and but it was you know and i don't i don't know no like big sky theory if these collisions are likely enough that this explains this I'm guessing Apple knows, but it's probably not particularly forthcoming. Like They're not going to explain to you why they removed the activation lock thing or they're not going to comment on this type of thing. Uh, But all this seems reasonably plausible, or at least it's the first plausible explanation I've heard for why you could open up a brand new iOS device, take it out of its shrink wrap
1: turn it on, and it'll be like, sorry, this is activation lock to some Apple ID you've never heard of. I mean, when people started reporting this, so I, I you know, obviously it had happened to me. It was confusing to me. I had to go make a second Genius Bar appointment. I mean, not it's not a huge hassle, but it was weird, and I'd never heard of anything like this happening. And of course, I assumed it was my fault. I assumed that I had probably done something dumb, except that, yeah, I did not recognize the letters of the, you know, dots will echo Apple ID. There's nobody that I'm aware of that has an Apple ID even similar to that. So that was weird. But given the, you know, not trivial number of reports of this that I heard about, that's kind of interesting. Somebody out there is going to a lot of trouble, don't you think? If this is true, that would be – isn't this kind of a lot of trouble to go to, to – be able to sell a device for however much they can sell an iPhone for
0: well you know it really depends on what the how the math works out if if the if the labor to do this surgery is cheap enough to make up for the profit margin oh, on the reselling it. if you're
1: doing in China yeah yeah if
0: you're doing on uh, the gray market uh iOS device stuff and maybe maybe they're reassembling these from scavenged parts you know i, I have no idea what's going on over there I just thought it was interesting. Uh,
1: so, have you vetted our? Uh, have you extreme extreme vetted our our list of uh, topics? Yeah, I like the uh, the one that you put up there, and I just moved up
0: into a secondary slot in case we need it, which I think we uh, I not. like.
1: Okay, I like number two. Um, so, here's my pitch. Uh, you are a frequent. Uh, co-host guest i don't know what you call it you're 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 frequently on the incomparable which is a wonderful podcast that does lots of great things on movies and pop culture and it's a great roundtable discussion hosted by our friend jason snell and uh i guess this started out as you guys as the incomparable does and you know you and i have been on episodes together where we talked about miyazaki movies and pixar movies and in this case jason had convened a crew of people to get together and talk about black mirror The Charlie Brooker, uh, what, three three series, three season show. Don't you go series on me. (laughs) (laughs) And you guys did what ended up being two episodes about Black Mirror. Now, it sounds like it didn't start that way. It started as, "Hey everybody, go watch all the Black Mirrors and then we're going to run through all three seasons on the show." Is that Was that the original idea? That's, that's what
0: we did. We went through the every single show. But it's not a lot. It's kind of like Sherlock in the uh, especially yeah.
1: in the beginning, the seasons were not very long. Um, and so it's like we went 13, through every single 13 episodes, episode. something like that. Yeah. So you guys watched whatever some some thirteen hours of of this show, and then but the interesting <laughs> well, one thing was very interesting. It was interesting watching this evolve in Slack. Was that uh, Jason? I guess had decided that that overall the reaction to so many of the shows episodes were not entirely positive. Like I think especially you were not very positive on it. That he ended up saying, okay, well here's an episode where we're talking about the what five episodes that most everybody pretty much liked, and then a second episode. Which is a bunch of the others, a lot of editing work from Jason, but to basically cover this show, Black Mirror, uh it's just I, I mentioned, I'm mentioning all of this because I thought it was very interesting, like I figure Black Mirror, who I never know in the Incomparable Slack because everybody's so freaking opinionated. Black Mirror feels like a like a knock it out of the park. It was like a cult hit. It was like a giant, you know popular sensation. But the reaction from y'all was muted to to a lot of it to downright disgusted in some cases you and Brian had a lot of stuff that you for each for your sometimes similar sometimes different reasons were like kind of everybody like everybody did even Jason had his his list divided into like the ones he thought were okay the ones he liked and the ones he hated Right. There's the one that everybody likes, which is an unimpeachably great episode of the, the San Junipero episode, is an unimpeachably great episode of a TV show for any time, like regardless of. I, I totally agreed on that point. Yeah. And then there was a fair amount of dissent all along the way. Okay. I'm mentioning all this because, yes, you can go out and watch Black Mirror. We have uh, links in show notes so that you can go and listen to both these epi- episodes. They're very good. But here's what I wanted to pick up on uh, this is a topic that I'm calling. Uh, and obviously feel free to correct me. I'm calling this John's cautious tech optimism because one thing that kept coming up with you when you would talk about these episodes is I would say, first of all, that, uh, I would say Brian had the most basic sense of like basic revulsion to a lot of the things on the shows, but you had the most consistently muted to negative, like, this squicks me out. This is gross. This doesn't feel good about these shows. Because, you know, as a lot of people said, Black Mirror, it's a lot like, it is very similar in some ways to The Twilight Zone. That's the clearest antecedent that I can think of. You know, it is like a kind of O. Henry twist ending a lot of times, but it's about now and in the future regarding technology and Charlie Brooker's, you know, very strong opinions. If you watch anything Charlie Brooker does, you know he has very strong opinions about technology. So the reason I mention here, something you mentioned I I, I noticed this when I was listening to the first episode, which is the ones we liked episode. It seems like you kept lightly kind of touching on this topic of like, oh, everybody in this world is acting terrible in a way that most people don't actually act terrible. Or this technology, they're not really explaining why the world is this awful way and like, why would people actually act that way? Or here's a technology where you could do this amazing thing and instead you do these terrible things. And it's, you know, it sounded like uh, you found it maybe even a little like depressing. But, you know, it seems like a lot of turns you were thinking, like, wow, you know, if this were really in the world, like, why wouldn't you use that technology to make something that's better, that, like, helps people, that, like, makes the world a better place? So the topic I wanted to bring up is what I'm calling your cautious tech optimism, because in both of those episodes, that seemed to be so I want you to describe that in better words than I did. But I also, I want to know if that is correct, the idea that, like, you have a certain personal vision of what a world could look like, where technology is being used to do good things for people and then i guess i guess i'd love to talk about examples of when that's been successful in the past and what you'd love to see in the future and why it's not happening jump in anywhere
0: yeah so i don't want to get too much into black mirror specifically but there's two two aspects to uh my anger at uh science fiction whatever it may be stories that uh, that depict dystopian worlds that are dystopian in what i think are non-convincing ways um the first one is you know like coming into any topic is you have to you have to sort of be aware of what your biases are sure to be going in and you know especially if there are common biases that come up again and again throughout history in similar situations and there are uh and i think everybody knows what those are but if asked about them if asked to list them they could they could list them but when it comes time for them to think about the future that list is not in their mind but it's in my mind and that is everybody's afraid of the future the future's going to be different uh it, whatever the new thing is is scary and uh depending on what time you are born in uh grounds for you being burned at the stake or will be the end of civilization whether it be uh reading and writing uh the novel uh, television video games like and you know i'm sure before recorded history uh, the wheel the inclined plane hitting things with sticks all are going to destroy <laughs> society as we know it because they are new and weird and different and These that young bias, people
1: running around with their inclined planes
0: exactly standing upright it's ridiculous um <laughs> it's that, ruining our youth <laughs> right and that doesn't mean that every new thing seems like it's bad but it's actually good but what it does mean is we know that's in our nature. Then anytime something new comes up, that's going to be a big, one of the big aspects of our reaction to it. And so you have to account for that. You have to at least be aware that that's there and not take it at face value. Because if you take it at face value, you will ju- eventually just view everything like that. Like that's mm-hmm. you, you, you have to wrestle with that. You have to acknowledge it. You have to look it in the eyes and say, yes, I know that is a thing that's out there. That's going to be my reaction. That's going to be other people's reactions. And I have to and it's not a new reaction and it's as old as time and we need to just deal with that um and the other thing is with the exception of the eventual own goal extermination of of all life on this planet through nuclear weapons which you know still out there guys we can do it i believe in us um the general progression of humanity and technology has been positive positive. Like, just, someone did a big infographic of, like, the last 200 years, putting a bunch of stuff together, trying to, like, capture this idea. There's all sorts of lumps and bumps and wars and everything, but in general, uh, you know, fewer people go hungry. Uh, there are fewer wars, fewer people die violently, like, just... Infant,
1: infant uh, mortality?
0: Yeah, it, it just, it, any, I mean, it's not as if it's all positive, right? And there are negative aspects that go along with it, but in general, technology has made our lives better. Over the over the entire horse, course of recorded human history. Right? Mm-hmm. Right up until whatever technology comes out when we're 35. And that one is going to be the downfall of human. And again, I'm giving you the caveat for weapons that can destroy us all. Because they can still come storming back and, and can, you know, come big come from behind victory for nukes. Yay, we did it. Now we're all gone. And, you know, so... That's there. I'm, I, you have to acknowledge that as well. As a child of the '80s, you must you must acknowledge mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And maybe that erases everything else. But uh, cell phones and social media, uh, I'm going to say those aren't uh, nuke caliber. And and so that m- my biases are long view of history and the effect technology had, and short view of human nature, and how we're sure to react thing to things that are new. And a lot of Black Mirror, which I didn't want to bring it back to, but I think I have to. A lot of I Black really Mirror, only meant that as a jumping off point. I didn't mean to make yeah. it about Black Mirror. Right, but but a lot of it, it has those kinds of stories where uh, some technological aspect that we're all uncomfortable with because it's new-ish and we can all see the bad effects of it is taken to the nth degree, and you kind of go, Huh? Huh? Nudge, nudge. Huh? What do you? Huh? See? See? Now you see the violence inherent in the system. Like, I don't, I don't see the violence inherent. I'm, I'm mis- I'm mixing my Monty Python skits. You know, say no more, say no more. Anyway, um, very
1: small rocks. Yeah, exactly. Uh,
0: yeah. All right. So, so that's, I think that's my cautious optimism on it. Not that there are bad effects, but that, that I, I try to keep an open mind to viewing these things, and and I will, react negatively to any sort of facile presentation of this technology that we all see has bad aspects it will destroy us all because see look like this look now we'll all be raiding each other right. and it will just destroy humanity. As we and it's like how because you can't technology doesn't change human nature technology changes like that quickly technology changes way faster
1: than human nature does so any which, is, which is why when a show like that is done well it really hits at home because you go oh it's really not about the technology it is about people
0: Right, but but even but even for the people, like you it's hard to do a dystopia convincingly, uh unless you nuke everybody because then they have no control of it. But like a dystopia of a change in attitudes, right? Where we're all, you know, cheering on the, the like the white bear type thing, we're all cheering on the torture of, of of this uh this person. Uh there's that aspect to humanity, sure. Like we we're watching the Christians getting eaten by the lions, but broadly speaking, like the reason we still know about things like that is because it is so horrible, and it's worth retelling, and you know, becoming a thing. You know, like, but in general, it's not, it's not a selected for a trait to be that bloodthirsty because we have to join together to, uh, as a pack, to defend ourselves against the wolves and to keep our children alive. Like, so there's, it's, it's a balance, and any dystopia that says. As soon as you kill people's cell phones, they're going to be, you know, flaying each other in the streets because they care about their social media ratings. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, yes, there are negative aspects to all these things, but it's not going to turn us all into monsters. Right. And a lot of dystopias drop in one piece of tech and then all of humanity becomes monsters. And I feel like that's lazy. And it's like, look, if you have a problem with the tech and you want to think you want to say something clever or incisive about it, you can do it in a way that doesn't, you know, uh, take it to an absurd degree because then you're not then you're not making your point anymore you're actually making the opposite of your point of like see how absurd it is to be worried about this the only way we can you know the only way we can make it scary is to just assume that humans become monsters um just as a side note did you ever see his zombie show uh no but you told me about it i think i put it on my oh. list what was it called uh oh
1: god what give me the first word i'll get the second one unless it's a one-word show oh god don't overthink it charlie booker so you're can you Googling it. <laughs> dead set. Your out, outboard brain. Yeah, it's called Dead Set. You didn't follow instructions, but that's fine. Mm-mm-mm. That's one where I mean, I, it's, I only mention it because I thought it was very good. I watched the entire uh, series, as you say, um, and it was by the end. I was just like, oh god, that was that was. I was like, I really enjoyed it. That was really good. But yeah, kind of a kind of a rip off of The Walking Dead. And then I discovered that it came out two years before The Walking Dead. Before the comic or the TV Well, thing? it might have been inspired by the comic. I doubt it. Uh, but I mean, that one, I think, that one is a little less of a stretch, even though it is a zombie story. Because basically, the, the twist is that, yeah, there's been this zombie, uh, you know, breakout, outbreak. But it's kind of unbeknownst to the people who are on, like, Big Brother, the people who are on this reality show, who are in this little bubble. That one's very interesting because I think that has not as much even even adding zombies to the mix that that's not a, there's not as many leaps required there as with the technology thing, and I, I think I think what you're describing though I don't know if it's technically a cognitive bias but I know exactly what you're I feel like I know exactly what you're talking about you you mentioned that Douglas Adams quote you know there's a funny mix uh, I guess this can happen at virtually any age but it seems like a very natural or not natural but normal common thing that happens to people, at least starting in their 30s, and usually it sets in by their 40s, which is a combination of suspicion about new technology combined with a kind of nostalgia for old technology that can feel kind of like the same thing. What it feels like on an emotional level is, what a bunch of dummies, why don't you just read a paper? Or, like, why can't you just have a push mower? A push mower is perfectly fine. Oh, you want yours to be able to make toast? You know, it's like one of those John Roderick kind of things. You're going to have, you know, Wi-Fi on your thermostat. And it's like, no, John, I don't have a Wi-Fi thermostat. But the, you know what I'm saying? Like that, the, the basic bias is that it feels so natural because it feels like you're, you're growing up. You're maturing. You've, you know, this is not your first rodeo. It's not your first day. <clears throat> You've seen a lot of stuff come and go. There's a kind of technology and a kind of what you perceive to be, a culture that you perceive to be very valid and normal even if that's a fairly sepia tone idea of something that hasn't existed for a long time or maybe never existed. And I think all those things together are create a powerful set of biases where you are looking for information and let's just say stories that say, see, 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 that's what I'm talking about. This is why this is why these kids, these millenniums are incompetent is because they're always on their phones. That's why they, the reason they don't have, they don't buy houses is because they spend all day looking at Facebook. And you're like, well, it's actually a good deal more complicated than that. But that's what it feels like because you, you have your own ideas about what's happening. Is this incredibly obvious? Am I restating what you said? But I, I think, that's, I think it, it's a legitimate thing. And I, li- I like your note of saying, like, don't act like this is something that happens to other people. Understand that, like, it's almost like thinking about accessibility. We're like, believe me, you're, we are all each having this experience or we will have this experience. Stop acting like it won't happen to you and instead be smarter about noticing when you're making those kinds of uh, potentially baseless leaps about what technology is going to do to harm people. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Hover. You can learn more about Hover right now by visiting hover.com. This is real easy, folks. Hover is a company that takes the pain out of dealing with domain names. They are my go-to domain company, and I would love for you to check them out as well. Because when you have a great idea for your next big thing, Whether that thing is a project, a blog, a store, a startup, or what have you, you need to give it a great domain name. And finding that perfect domain is ridiculously easy with Hover. I want to tell you what I love about Hover. They are straight shooters, and they treat you like a grown-up adult person. Because when all you want to do is buy a domain name or an email address, you shouldn't have to opt out of page after page of add-ons that you don't want or need. That is garbage. Hover does not do that. So Hover only offers domains and email. So you get to focus on finding a great domain name and then getting back to work on your great idea. They also believe you shouldn't have to pay for things that should already be included with your domain. A lot of people don't realize that when you register a domain name, your contact information, including your email address, phone number, your home address, it's all published online. And marketers, spammers, and hackers can find that in the Whois database. Unlike most other domain providers, Hover includes free Whois privacy with all supported domains to keep your information confidential. I love that. So, please find the perfect domain name for your idea and treat yourself to a company that treats you like an adult human. You go to hover.com and please use the promo code RECDIFS. That's R E C D I F F S. RECDIFS at checkout. It's going to get you 10% off your first purchase. So, our thanks to Hover for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM.
0: Yeah, like I said, I think if you ask people, to list some of the uh the you could say cognitive biases but you might say wrong-headed things that people think about as it relates to new technologies people could list off everything you just said like intellectually people understand this uh they, they understand it in the abstract and very often they can recognize it in other people but then if you wait a month and ask those same people what do you think of this new technology that list that they gave you is not in their mind anymore um and that will just lead them to say uh you know these kids with the snapchat uh always facebook and instagram you know like (laughs) Mm -hmm. they'll just you know i i and maybe maybe the best they'll do is say i know it's new technology but i just don't trust it or just some other sort of like uh homespun uh regurgitation of emotion framed as reason that will pop out of their mouth like there's just something about it just something about it makes me want to burn them at the stake i'm not sure what it is yeah (laughs) like i'm pretty
1: sure what it is I think I've told you the story about when um, my wife's family uh, was kind enough to throw us a, um, you know, basically a little party, you know, to celebrate the, you know, that we we're going to have a baby. And I remember showing up, I showed up at this at this restaurant and my brother-in-law, who I adore, one of my brother, I love all my brothers-in-law, but one of my favorites was he was out front. He'd already had a few drinks and uh, and he says – what was it called? There's a, he As soon as we walked up, before he like even greeted us and hugged us, he was like, Enjoy it while you can. You got to read this book yeah. called, It's like the Cinderella Syndrome or the Cinderella Fact. It's like, Ah, yeah, with the you, the YouTube, there's no good that can come of it. Mm, there are some right. things in this world where good things can happen. All this, there's no good that can come of it. No, of course not. Only <laughs> you only can't imagine. Flows from the right? It's device. like, yeah, like, it is – what is it particularly about these technologies and these ho- – that makes you think that you're – you know, that your child is uh, taking naked pictures of themselves that often. I'm, I'm on the page for this book I never finished. It, it, even
0: before you get to the whole uh, the gender-based body ownership daughter business, which is a whole other can of worms that we're not even addressing at
1: this you point. You sold just me on this about. one. You, I, I have bought into that one lock, stock, and barrel. I – I feel terrible for all the times that I've said she's somebody's daughter. I'm sorry I ever said that. No, you no, not even that, just, just, like, just like, that, like, you get the same framing of like, it's, it's going to be
0: so long before that ever goes away of, if you have daughters, having to endure other people commiserating with you about the terrible day that will come when your daughter will be in a relationship with somebody and how terrible that will be for you and you, how you must physically threaten them and it's like what if what like just this yeah. just get off on totally the wrong foot for, for unhealthy relationships for the rest of everyone's
1: lives Good job well, like sh- show your math I mean how often has that worked in your life? When you were on the other side of that, like, not just math,
0: like, what is, what are you even doing? Like, what is the, what is the point of that exactly? It's the the foundations of that. If you, if you five Wyatt to death, you, you unearth these terrible green squiggly worms about like ownership of, of your daughter because she's a daughter and just
1: like, it's such a mess. I don't even, I do not want to think about it. Yeah. No, I, 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 I agree with you. And I'm trying to, like, you're advising, I'm trying to get aware of those. But I mean, it's sort of just reflexive because we grew up in that environment and
0: we those those macros and those cliches and those sayings and, and those uh, positioning statements uh, and everything are all just in our brains and everyone just views them as harmless and they, and they come to us and they will come out of our own mouths. And if you, if you don't, you know, if you're not super careful, it's hard to, you know,
1: untrain, but we've been trained our whole life. Do you remember where you saw that article or chart or whatever it was that you were talking about earlier? Which like, article? Um, just the like over time... These kinds of technologies. Oh, the, have so someone on Twitter did an info
0: like there's been floating around Twitter a bunch of these graphs that someone did. They're like rectangular area graphs where like uh, you know the, the top is one color and the bottom is another color and you know it's all angled lines where the red slowly disappears and the blue comes from the bottom to overwhelm it. Um, a bunch of those things were floating around and somebody put them all onto like a one page giant image thing and then was tweeting that and it showed that like the things you listed literacy infant mortality people who are living in poverty hunger all sorts of stuff like that um like birth rate might have been one of them too or vaccination rate um and all of them and it was a 200 year you know the 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 uh x-axis was 200 years in all of them and it was just (laughs) like look at the look at the overwhelming progress we've made right uh Despite the fact that if you just zoom in onto the last, you know, 20 years, you see all sorts of bumps that are upsetting. But if you go back 200 years,
1: trend's pretty clear. Yeah. I mean, people used, kids used to just die. It just was a thing. Like, your kids would die. Everybody had, everybody had 10 kids and half of them died. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's probably a variety. There's, there's not a simple reason why that was different then. But, like, you know, my grandmother uh, was born around the time of the uh, the flu pandemic. And she she lost lots of family members. They just they just went away.
0: And you think about I I think about that in terms of like again with, with human nature not changing that quickly and just like you know modern medicine and uh, and everything racing in to, uh, to make so many more kids survive to the point where now you know we, now we're living in a world where the death of a child is it's not it's not rare but it is it is not an expected thing. Coming from a world right, where, right. if if you, uh, especially with it no birth control, if you have tons of kids over the course of your adult life as as a woman, it's almost guaranteed that a bunch of them are going to die, right? Of of whatever, and that was the thing you were going to have to deal with in life. Whereas now, I would say the majority of people have children and none of them die in this country, right? Like I, I don't know what the percentages are, but it's like the, the expectation is your kids won't die, and that that is a hell of a change in expectations, right? From The expectation is this is just something you're going to have to deal with in life versus uh, if it does happen to you, it is a calamity and it is a terrible thing. But in general, we expect it not to happen. And think about all the people who grew up in a time when it was just expected to be something that happened. How how would that affect basically every single adult, every, every single parent of children would have to somehow be okay with soldiering on, raising the children that survived and mourning the children that didn't and like that's like you know from from our modern privileged perspective as people whose children tend not to die as much like how do you be like that's that's a life-changing event Mm -hmm. how do you how do you ever square that circle how do you ever like you are a different person in the same way that you're a different person after you have kids you have to be a different person after one of your kids dies
1: and that was everybody then and it's like nobody now yeah yeah i mean and it's You know, another funny, I guess everything on the show eventually becomes about getting older. But, you know, um, it is strange as you get a little bit older, what used to seem like an impossibly long time ago seems like a less and less impossibly long time ago, even if it's something that happened before you were born. So, for example, like, whereas I used to think of, You know, you think about World War II when you're a little kid and you're like aware of World War II and these black and white people, black and white images of people, you know, running around on a beach and explosions and stuff like that. You know, that was your that was your grandparents lifetime. That was your maybe even your parents lifetime, which now all of a sudden doesn't seem that weird. Now that I'm 50, the idea of somebody else being 50, it doesn't seem nearly as weird as it used to. So, so for example, I mean, I'm thinking of what uh, polio, tuberculosis. Things where uh, I guess polio was better and maybe better understood. But there, I mean, I, my my mother-in-law who recently passed away would tell us about like when there'd be these outbreaks of tuberculosis. And it was just, it was a panic because I guess there was a pretty poor understanding about exactly how it was spread or, you know, how you got it. And so basically, everybody would just be like kept bundled up in the house all the time. Like that was in somebody I know, like somebody I know that was in somebody I know's lifetime, you know, and to then not have that be around anymore. It's just that... One thing is, if you think about the way things are consumed and reported, you know, it's, it's so funny to me sometimes when I'll go to something like Google News and I'll look at the section called technology. And I am by no means a seasoned technologist. I have, I've retired from that label. But it is funny to me how much of the technology section is basically about the latest news on consumer products and mostly social media. You know what I'm saying? That's because that, that's the stuff that we notice. That's the stuff on our phones. That's that's all stuff we get, but like there's not in the technology section, like no, there's a separate health section for talking about health stuff, right? There's a separate politics section for talking about things like what the military is doing. But it used to be that technology, I think, was thought of more not that it was seen as any more innocuous, but it used to be the technology was understood to be things that were going to drive a manufacturing and distribution industry. That you know, technology really might mean a, a better inclined plane. It's just that right now, when when people think of technology, I think they tend to think of it in terms of consumer technology.
0: Yeah, Do you know what I, mean? I think there's a reason for that, like a, a pretty pretty good reason. I think um, it's like so a lot of technology. We talked about the the wheel and the internal combustion engine, steam engine, and you know, asphalt, concrete, and all sorts of the all, all of that's technology right um but the i think the big leap that we made in uh if not in our lifetimes then in in you know in the past couple hundred years is i would say like the first abstraction um so all the other ones are like you're making a thing that does a thing you're making a hammer it bangs in nails you're you're figuring out how to do concrete or, or make metals and melt them together to make stronger metals and all sorts of crap like that like it's doing a thing Uh, and the first abstraction we, we have, I don't know if it's the first, I don't want to say if it's the first, maybe I'm forgetting something, but anyway, and my, it comes to mind for me. The first abstraction is we are going to, instead of making things to do things, we're going to make something, uh, that can be on or off and we're going to use that and assemble to, to compose that. In increasingly complicated stacks of stuff to make a thing that can do all sorts of things. Even though we just made it out of this sort of elementary part, it's a transistor basically. Like the transistor on its own does a bunch of stuff, but the breakthrough was realizing we can use this to do more than you know amplify the ana- amplify analog signals. We can use it to abstractly represent two states. And that doesn't seem too useful because, like, well, great, I got a thing the size of a light bulb that can represent two states. What the hell good is that? Once you can fit five <laughs> billion of them on your pinky <laughs> right. fingernail, right. suddenly right. something that can be on or off, you can build up from that. Like, that's an abstraction. And now everything we call technology is a thing that is built on this silly abstraction that we have. Now, that's – there may be other abstractions after that, like quantum computing or biological or molecular or nano or whatever – that are yet another abstraction but right now the abstraction we're doing is we still got the things that do the things that's still technology we're still working on battery technology and stronger metals and you know a better hammer you name it a material science everything having to, to rearrange molecules to make different materials that's still there but the one that is racing through humanity like wildfire are all the abstractions built on the idea that we can make a thing that can represent two states and make them really really small and combine them because you can get a lot of complexity out of that if you make it small enough and uh-huh. you know and as that shrinks and becomes cheaper and you know it has applicability like really all it is is it is it a decision engine like it, there's there's it, you know we just have physical limits on how big it can be but all it's doing is taking of inputs and putting it to a series of outputs um and what happens in the middle is as complex as our imagination and our material science and our ability to think of good ideas is. And so that's why I think everything in the technology section is built on that and everything is not in the technology section. Like you won't see the stuff about, um, I don't know, let's say uh, uh, Miller cycle engines or like a new, uh, more efficient internal combustion engines. That'll be in the car section. But self-driving cars, that will be in the technology section. Why?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Ones and zeros. That's why. Right and hmm. so that's and and I think that's a reasonable bifurcation because it's like all well, this technology that's come before now there's a whole new category of technology and we don't even know what this can do and it's changing so fast much faster than material science or asphalt road building or anything it, like that it,
1: it almost feels more like academic cuz it, it's still sort of like you know, it hasn't shaken out. It hasn't been fully tested. It hasn't been turned. It hasn't been productized, if you like. Well, it no, is- but like the, it, 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 revol- it evolves too fast. Like the possibilities
0: are n- no other one of our things that make things. You know, the, the things that do things by themselves changes that fast. Like we get new and better materials all the time, but mm-hmm. not not on the, on Moore's law type cycle. And because of the combinatoric effect, like having twice as many transistors gives you more than twice as many combinations of things, uh, and. Having the power gives, it like, it's, you know, smartphones, you know, th- things that can be small, laptops, smartphones, things that shrinking, you get big small to put in your light bulbs in your house, and you can talk to your little cylinder to turn on and off your light bulbs, like, that's happening so fast. So, that has to be cordoned off, like, oh, that's technology, and everything else is hmm. not technology, because it changes
1: too slowly. Huh. Okay. That's a really interesting way of putting it. All right, I got a, I got a couple more for you. Um. I don't know. This is this is a dumb question, but I don't know. I, I always feel like I learn a lot from you when I ask you dumb questions like this. Um, what in order in so like it's, so what you're describing here is like you know just because we cannot always be aware of our biases and our biases and our poor thinking doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to be aware of them and to improve them. When you're thinking, answer this any way you want, but like what are there examples of? As you become more of an old man, are there examples of ways that you try to catch yourself doing kind of um, lazy thinking or old-timey thinking or um, – I mean, I know you're a worrier like, like I am, worrisome thinking. How do, you, how do you notice when you're starting to – how do you notice when bad thinking about technology and culture is coming along? How do you catch yourself and how do you correct course?
0: Find for a lot of the things where I am just replaying macros from my from my uh, childhood or from my my formative years, replaying things that I've heard other people say in movies, replaying things that I've heard other people say to each other in real life, mm-hmm. replaying things that I've said in the past. Um, it, also, you know, in, in a social situation where you go slightly into the mode where you are performing social. <laughs> for people like yeah no maybe it's not a, uh, this is more of a thing we, uh, we have to be
1: on on good behavior
0: <laughs> yeah this is more of a thing for introverts who have to make some sort of kind of concerted effort to do what seems to come more naturally to other people yeah. um and when you're doing that that's when the crap that you would never think that you would say comes out even if only because some part of your brain knows that it will be uh a, you know that it will be recognized by the other
1: party that you will have a shared understanding of this thing. Yeah, there's some kinds and, of things where it's you know, easy enough to bend bend a little bit. Like you can get interested in something, or you can like take on the costume or persona of a point of view for a little while, just to kind of go along, get along.
0: Yeah. So they'll go. Yeah. Am I right? You know. These kids today. Wait until boy. Wait until that door becomes the edge. Boy, then you're in trouble. Oh, like, my God. You'll it's find chubby, yourself saying that right, Shabby Checker. Yeah. And for <laughs> for me, in the moment. When I'm doing that, um, that's that's a bad social performance. Uh, but usually it will it'll wait until after. Sometimes immediately after it has left my mouth. But depending on how far into the spell of social performance I am in, sometimes then just like later that day, we'll think about why'd you say that? That was so stupid. <laughs> you don't e- you, you don't even believe that. Uh, right? It is a terrible thing to say. You're on autopilot, spewing cliches from the '70s and '80s that make you look like a dinosaur. You're not thinking with your brain and uh and as it turns out probably everyone else is more enlightened than you think they are and you just made yourself look like an idiot and you know so that that does, i mean that's not catching myself that's that's, that's too late uh but very <laughs> very very often that helps it was just, you know part of the whole like uh, the, the compulsion to avoid social interactions is like they will all go badly why even bother the only it's one of one of the reasons that writing appeals to so many people including me um is that you can you have like as many tries as you want to say what you think you want to say until you give up in disgust and just you know ship whatever you have right but uh, (laughs) you know like versus having to perform in real time uh for other people which is very difficult um and who wants to who wants to end an encounter uh, an exchange or an entire day uh, just being disappointed and disgusted with everything they've said and done. No one wants that. So then it's like if I just never leave my house, I don't have that problem. Um, so I don't, I don't know if that's a positive example. But that is that is one example. No, it's, an, it's an honest. It's an honest one.
1: I like, so I mean, for myself, like I, I, I tell these stories, and I, God, I keep coming back to this book, that thinking fast and slow book, like, you know, uh, what does he call it? Uh, system one thinking and system two thinking, you know, there's all kinds of like, as soon as you stop and make yourself think hard about something, you do the system two level of thinking that requires a great amount of attention and focus and you better angels come flying out of the woodwork when you're doing system two thinking, like you're doing all of this, you know, the kind of ru- not ruminative, that's the wrong word. Um, very self aware, focused thinking, often involving, you know, trying to hold several concepts in your head at the same time. But that is so completely different from system one thinking, which, as I said to somebody recently, it's like saying to somebody, What's one plus one? Where even if you don't want to think two, you're going to think two, because that's how system one thinking works. So, like, you know, in my moments of repose where I'm talking to John on a podcast, I'll sit here and go, Well, I would like to think that I'm self aware. And I will catch myself. Uh, well, obviously, if I'm singing, saying a ding-a-ling thing that I don't really believe or shouldn't believe, um, well, gosh, I mean, <laughs> I, uh, I should be able to catch that as I'm saying it, and I'll definitely catch it later if I've thought about it, like you're describing. But uh, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure about that.
0: I Well, I mean, the, the, the other part is not even about uh, things that you shouldn't say or don't believe, but uh, the opposite um basic self-editing where you may have uh internal thoughts about you know about situations or people that you're interacting with that you should not tell them because it would make them sad yes
1: yeah no you're right
0: yeah and because not not because they should be sad but because it's not the whole picture and the way people work is you don't have time to explain to them the whole picture right Mm -hmm. Uh, if they just hear that that one thing that you said that was unintentionally hurtful it's too late and there's nothing you can do or 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 unintentionally paints you in a bad light or reveals your petty feelings or whatever even though you may intellectually know i know that i feel this but but i understand that's not actually the situation it's just my you know my vanity speaking or, or some other a- bad aspect of myself and you may be fully aware of that but all i know is what you said and now you're a jerk and now you feel like you're you've been a jerk And so in that case you are trying to again trying trying to do the social performance that seems to come a lot easier to other people to say the right thing at the right time even though in your heart of hearts you love everybody and you have the best intentions it doesn't matter because they can't see your heart of hearts they
1: just see what you say yeah the the other thing that I, i think about a fair amount uh is how do i describe this what whatever your default mode is and i think I'm guessing. Well, I'll speak for myself. I I don't I don't always know what my default mode is. I have a pretty good guess what my default mode is, and I bet you could really, if you weren't being a good social performer, you would give me chapter and verse on what my problem is. But like, I, I suspect that most of us have uh, a pretty describable set of default reactions behaviors to to things. Maybe maybe one big class of these would be that you know, uh, I want to be a polite person who listens to what's going on. Um, and I would like to think that I am articulate in, in quickly and uh, artic- quickly articulating an opinion about this that I've given some thought to. Okay, well, then what happens if you get decimated by that other person? Or they, they, they call into question something that you consider very core. We fall back on things like feelings, or we fall back on things like well, feelings feelings, whether that's fear, whether that's anger, whether that's, Let's be honest, uh, unconscious resentment. I think there's these certain kinds of things that you don't even, mostly won't even realize that you just shifted so hard. Over here for a minute, you were in this rational mode where you said, well, you know, I've read a few things you know, in the paper about, I've read a few things, you know, about what's happening with, you know, teens and Snapchat and, you know, and then somebody else who actually knows this, you have like a, talk to like a Dana Boyd or something. So, well, actually, you know, the research on that is Pew study. study, And you're like, uh, you're thinking, I don't know what any of those things are, but you sound like, you know, a lot about this. And then it's pretty easy to find yourself going, well, I just, you know, I really, I just don't trust it. Yeah, I have. I'd have to see. I mean, like you know, and then you fall back on all kinds of things, the it, it, biases. Because that's, that's the
0: that's the ultimate. Uh, oh my God damn it! That's the that's the, that's the trump card mm. <laughs> when when these topics come up because everybody, when in that face of that situation, like they still have the feeling mm-hmm. as strong as ever, perhaps stronger as all
1: the you know studies show, and that's the what's it called kickback. No, yeah. what's it called? The Something like that. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah. I don't remember either. We're terrible. Some, there's, there's something back effect. Backlash effect? Backlash maybe? effect. That's probably know, it. Anyway. Where um, people, where the, where the more evidence somebody gets to the contrary or something, they right. believe, the deeper but, they but, dig uh, in. But this is like small stakes, minor things, even if it's just,
0: you know... Like, Especially not even if it's about, conventional
1: wisdom. If it's conventional wisdom right. on the fact I, that your daughter's trying to put her boobs on Facebook all the time because that's what kids do with this technology. Right, right. If
0: they, and if they however you, you, that you arrive at they're that, doing. yeah, no. Exactly. But let's see, what you can always fall back on, uh, and yeah. I don't know if it's unique to this country, but I feel like there is, there's, there's uh, not unique to this country, but like perhaps more prevalent in this country, you can fall back on, No, oh, maybe it's not, the sort of homespun... Old world. It's like my granny sense. always told me. Right. I just don't trust it. I am a regular, I'm not a fancy country lawyer. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah. I just don't trust it. It is newfangled, getting back to the whole newfangled thing. And, right. and that's everyone, all, that's a, the maybe all goes, mm-hmm. fine for you,
1: big city folks. That, right. maybe will, that's how it's like where you're from. Right. And they will, they will nod
0: and go, mm hmm, yep that's right you said it like is that that is the ultimate fallback Uh, appeal uh, uh, appeal to homespun ignorance is an incredibly powerful weapon in this country like it is it is it is you know i I call this a trump card but i'm not trying to make a terrible pun like you pull that out like go ahead fight fight me on my my ill-specified feeling that i relate back to my my generational biases that you all share and they're like can't argue against that i guess you're right you win
1: I just like vinyl better. That's yeah. That's, that's even lower stakes. Yeah. So referring back to the Black Mirror episodes, and it just feels like it was a little theme that kept coming up with you of like, geez, you know, you know first of all, this isn't very, I'm paraphrasing what I remember you saying the one time I listened to this. Uh, hey, you know, the the, world's, the world building here is really not that great because they haven't done even this de minimis amount of helping us explain why this dystopia is this way and all these people, all the judges and the, the 15 million merits. like I, no, Whoever your role is on this, everybody seems unhappy. Shouldn't somebody be happy if this dystopia was working or, out? Or, or it's just bad storytelling. Or they've well, extended, yeah, yeah, yeah. extended one technology out to the nth degree but not looked at
0: any of the implications of that extension except the one they're interested in and all other implications are off the table.
1: So the question is, when you're thinking about a better world, and this might be a little too like sunshine, lollipops, and roses, but I'm just curious. Like when you think about a better world and you think about I'm, – I'm trying to be somewhat cautious about saying the role of technology because I already feel like in answering this question, the answer to improving the world, technology is, just can be a relatively small piece. We've got the technology to do a ton of different things. What we may lack is the the budget and the will and the culture to do it. But like in your case, if you thought about ways to make – make the world better in the next five to 50 years, what are the kind of patterns you think are worth watching for? Not just in terms of like chip speed and and KB lakes and stuff, but like in terms of like, if you were going to try and see the world become a better place and you had some agency in that, what are the kinds of things where do you think technology can be making the world better that it's not? And why isn't it happening already? So the
0: effect that you alluded to a second ago, the idea that like oh we have a technology to do all sorts of things you know, like a lot of times you'll see the graph of like how much food we produce right we have we produce like more than enough food to feed all the humans on the planet and yet there are still
1: people who are are starving right um, they always they, they, I mean I feel like even ever since Live Aid uh, i have always heard it de- described as yeah it is a political will problem but basically it's a distribution problem there's all kinds of corn and wheat and sorghum sitting around it's just how are you going to get it to somebody and store it at scale
0: right and so uh, that's uh, that that that's a a, a common old version from from both of our childhoods in live aid uh, of, of uh and it's even more true today because the tech, with the tech we have today we can make so much freaking food like um where the tech outpaces culture and political institutions right because the, the culture and political institutions mm-hmm. change way more slowly than the tech does and they <laughs> were all formed at a time where it was super important to limit and control distribution of resources in a way that makes sure your people survive more than those other people and all of a sudden you wake up one day five generations later and we can make enough food to feed the entire world 10 times over who really wanted to but the institutions that make us not do that to make us not just give a bunch of people some food like the whole the whole economy and the way it all works together and all all, you know the the division the the division of all our countries and the arbitrary invisible lines on all of our maps and like all that that takes so much longer to change because you just literally have to wait for wars to be fought and generation upon generation of people to die whereas within you know 50 short years you could figure out how to double your yield on rice or something and that's like you know a world-changing thing if only and and this is even accounting for cultural and political institutions impairing our technological progress, which happens all the time right because they're you know it's yeah.
1: So, anyway, you mean you mean in the sense of like it's bad for business this change?
0: Uh, just the incentives aren't correctly aligned. It is, mm-hmm. you know, it is more important for incumbents to like. I mean, just think of. I am not going to go with the whole GM killing electric car, which is mostly a a, a BS thing. But in general, there is an internal combustion engine car industry, and that industry is less interested in being disrupted <laughs> by electric cars, and so it takes longer than it would, technologically speaking, in a clean slate for us to get to an electric car world. Right, um, mm-hmm. you know, like we didn't have to wait until lithium-ion batteries were, were were viable, and even then we waited a pretty darn long time. Um, but it's, and it's not through any sort of evil mastermind plot, Illuminati thing. It's just like when you have an established industry, that is a count that is a force against doing something that would disrupt that industry.
1: That's a big force, and whatever ones and, and still, not, not you know. always for nefarious reasons. I mean, that's a boat that turns pretty slowly, not least because those are there's jobs involved, there's right. infrastructure, in a lot of those there's things that you're not going to turn on a dime just because something came along better. Better came along in the last month.
0: Yeah, and it's like all, all sorts of little accidents of history of, of how internal combustion engine beat out electric cars in the beginning, and then you're in for you know a century of internal combustion before you even look back at that tech. So, um, so yeah. So, but the way things I think can get better with tech is not a case where tech uh changes just as slowly as culture and politics and uh institutions but rather the cases where the tech goes so much faster than our institutions that it races ahead to a point where its value is so compelling that the human uh the human uh you know the human nature resistance to to progress and newfangled things is crushed like an ant under a boot heel right the internet is an example of that where mm-hmm. commun- everyone communicating with each other i don't care how much you hate it it is so compelling and it raced ahead so fast and it spread over literally the whole world and you know the progress is so fast like you are helpless you will have a smartphone and you will like it and there is nothing you can do about it like it's just so much better um and even though this is a topic for another day self-driving cars could be like that too because i don't care how much you don't like it or are suspicious of it or want to burn someone at the stake the benefit is so fantastic that if it spreads fast enough and wide enough yeah it, it, it is irresistible and a lot of our leaps have been like that where if if you you know if, if something gets going and snowballs like the industrial revolution or the internet the resistance to it is you know it's futile and like it's almost comical you get the luddites with the industrial revolution. you you've got people who want to move to a shack and not have any electronic devices like they're there it's marginalized it is not like so many other things where there is like like the distribution of food where it's like you get into all sorts of much more deep-seated ideas about helping other people versus helping yourself, mm-hmm. and whole systems of governments uh, built around various things like that. And general, you know, the general difficulty of trying to make any sort of way to govern the affairs of large groups of people while avoiding the pitfalls of human nature that make that end really badly, even when it has the best of intentions. See communism and socialism, right? Um, We haven't figured out that problem yet, and that impairs all sorts of other technologies like medicine and health and stuff that could be benefiting us massively, but have not been able to race ahead in the same way as, uh, you know, as the Industrial Revolution, which, you know,
1: was incentivized by making people rich and improving life for everybody, and the internet, and podcasts. And podcasts. But it's, you know, when you think about all the kind of the famous industrial barons of the 19th and early 20th century, how many of them were clamoring for claims to what would become a very limited resource, but even then was understood to be a a limited resource, whether that's real estate. But, like, what is the real estate for? Is it for the mineral rights, you know, for oil and precious minerals? Um, You know, is it for being able to, like, then, you know, have to somehow acquire the land for railroads and then standardize the tracks to your tracks, right? And and all those cases, like, all those people that we now know of as these great, you know, philanthropists, A lot of them were, if not robber barons, at least people who were very focused on like the industrial land grabs of their time. They outran our institutions too, like the whole labor laws and antitrust laws.
0: I mean, it was like the industrial revolution is like uh, prior to that. People could amass power through human capital. The larger your army is, the more workers you had to do things. Like you could scale. It's like running a support business. You could scale it up by adding more people. The Industrial Revolution put a multiplier factor on every single person, and the multiplier kept going up year after year. So suddenly, you know, like everybody is was already incentivized to amass power through people that they control, and now you were incentivized to amass power through people time uh, multiplied by whatever it is that you're doing whether the multiplier is the railroad or the sewing machine or the printing press or any kind of manufacturing technology where every one person is worth so much more than they were before and it's just a race to see because every day the multiplier changes it was 1.11 yesterday and now it's 1.12 today and yeah, that, uh-huh. and that was that was incentivized by by people's greed and but you know the the thirst for power and then eventually uh, doubly incentivized by the uh, the appetite of people for things that make their lives easier, like buying a sewing machine
1: and they'll give you the money to buy the sewing machine that you were making in the factory. And that pro- props up the financial ministry that's providing credit for those things. Yeah, so th- I keep I keep wondering if this stuff like for me it's so difficult. Like it's one thing to sit around and talk about technology when what you really mean is Facebook. It's another thing when you start talking about, and I I mentioned this again, but there's one of the, one of the, one of the mini courses I regret taking in college was, um, uh, what was it called? Uh, something like uh, culture and technology or something like that. It's basically like just this, uh, anthropological whistle stop of the way that technology and culture, technology in the true sense of the word, the technology and culture have interacted since recorded history. Uh, and it sounds like it was just such an interesting class. And like to this day, like if I really think about technology to not just mean Facebook or whatever, it's so inextricably tied to culture, and I know I bring this up a lot, but that that's the thing is that we look we when we and I'm, I'm I don't mean to be answering the question I ask you, but I guess I kind of am when when you have a technology that comes along um, in, in whatever version uh it's so heavily it's it's success, it's spread, and it's eventual. Sometimes monopoly as a certain kind of culture is so, or as a certain kind of technology becomes dependent so much on culture. And so, like, that's why I, I'm thinking, for example, like, instead of wondering about how much faster the computers are going to get, or wondering about, like, how much bigger the TV screen's going to get, which I realize are trivial examples, I, I then think about stuff like what happens if we have very large changes to law and attitudes about things like alcohol, meat production, in the same way, for example, as, like, uh, cigarettes and tobacco got treated, you know, what, 15, 20 years ago. those that, That's another thing to really think about to me is, like, you just <laughs> – I eat a lot of meat and I don't feel good about it. And I sometimes really think about the impact that really all kinds of, like, terrible habits in how we get our food happen. But, like, it's interesting to think about a world where, like, what if we take it slightly differently and say, like, well – If we were going to set ourselves to have 80% or 90% less animal products in our food, what would that difference look like in terms of the technology? Like, what would we do differently? And I'm just pulling out one example here. But I I think as crazy as that example sounds, it's not actually that crazy. That there are massive knock-on effects to all kinds of stuff if we instead say, like, how would the technology implement a giant cultural change? In the same way as, for example, saying like you know, within a period of like it felt like about ten years, smoking went from being something that everybody did to like practically nobody did. You oh, know, I wonder what nobody, kinds of well, depends on where you go, but
0: yeah, In New York yeah. City, a lot of people smoke. Yeah, the the, the smoking like that that was you could have. I, I would have put money on that one, because people don't want to die. That's what it comes down to. People don't want to be sick, and people don't want to die. Like, the incentive is there. It's just a question of convincing people that they kill you, which was really, really hard to do, apparently. Yeah. Um, but that's that's a powerful incentive. Now, the other ones, like, the, the sort of utopian sci-fi always has, there's no money, we don't eat animal products. If you they meet someone from the 20th century, it's like, you eat meat, you're a monster, you might as well be a cannibal. Like, it yeah. was totally there. Like uh, those, ve- the Star Trek worlds. Yeah, vegans love that. Um, yeah, and for the, for that specific issue, I think uh, people don't want to die, but people want to eat things. <laughs> people want to eat other animals. Um, it's a problem. I mean, I meant it more as just a, a, a general. Example. Right. So, so I would, I would say, for that example, the way we achieve that is not by. I mean, if you have to achieve it by intellectual enlightenment, it's going to take a lot longer, like a lot longer. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's possible, but it's going to take longer. the The much faster path is artificial meat, right? You, yeah. Because, because again, humans, their physiology, human physiology does not change as fast as technology, and I don't even know what the hell direction it's changing in now. If humans are still going to crave salty, fatty things, but intellectually we don't, don't want to kill other things just because we want to eat them, which is barbaric,
1: uh, we can solve this problem. Well, especially by, I feel like, it, Max Temkin makes me think that there's not too far in the future we'll be able to print meat, basically. And that right. changes the distribution problem. It's not only the barbarism of killing animals... Uh, for food, but also then the like, where do you store those animals you don't before have to you graze kill them. them? And like, you don't have to like, feed like, them. You don't have yeah. to put this many calories into a pound of of meat. I mean, I I know about these things, and yes, I feel terrible about it. But when you get to the point where you could have the greatest steak ever made on a three D printer, that really that that changes right. so many things. And, and that's probably not going to happen in our life because it takes really a long time, and
0: all the ones they make now taste terrible and cost a bazillion dollars. And but you know, baby steps. But if you if you are going to, I think it's going to come. That will come before you convince everybody that we shouldn't eat animals using like uh, yeah, intellectual yeah. arguments right because because physiology is not changing and people crave it and you know and you don't have the thing like you have a smoking with like do you want to die and and, and people still say yes you know because they're not thinking about that part of their brain but in general people are like no i prefer not to get lung cancer and so i, I if i am convinced that this is going to increase my chances of getting lung cancer i will avoid it but the meat thing is tough and like If you keep spitting that out, like the utopian ones, is like, why are we bothering chewing and swallowing stuff? We could just, you know, correctly stimulate the same receptors to get stimulated when you eat the world's best steak. You know, like... So basically,
1: you get a a patch... You like I have the equivalent of like a nicotine patch, and that gives you your nutrients, and then like uh, maybe that gives a little gives you a little fun zip in the part of your brain that like. Well, people take.
0: still do like to chew and swallow. I mean, you end up in yeah, the matrix. Yeah, yeah. So you end
1: up in the matrix event. You end up with your
0: brain in a jar <laughs> in the matrix. Like that's all you end up with. It's like all we are is a bunch of sensory receptors. We're not as complicated as we think we are. We're we're optimizing for for the the things that uh, that make us not feel pain, and it's you know it's it's a much simpler system like if we ever got enough technology to interface with ourselves at that level that's it it's game over and uh there's there, we would all just be completely satisfied in that world as, as in uh you know like like the, the holodeck as i've talked about in many programs the holodeck is the end of humanity yep it's fine it's a reasonable end we should all be happy it's like the finish line we did it we did it everybody you did it you're
1: just sitting in your goo listening to your vinyl records yeah hope you're happy with sherlock holmes <laughs>